just one verse this morning. Isaiah 9-6, this is God's holy word. I'm sorry, Nehemiah 9-6. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host. The earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. May God write his word upon our hearts. It really does for me seem like a lifetime ago, but two weeks ago, just two weeks ago, the Christian blogosphere was ablaze. Uh, Articles written, uh, Twitter posts, just, it was ablaze with stories about the deconversions of YouTube stars Rhett and Link. For some of you, that may mean something. For many of you, it won't. Rhett and Link are two YouTube stars, with, and together in their multiple platforms, they've amassed well over 20 million followers. Uh, if you've never seen one of their videos, they're, they're hilarious. Um, they put out really good videos. They were also both professing Christians, They both served as missionaries, and for a season, both were on staff with Crew, which is, uh, which used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ. And in the video, as they're explaining their deconversions or walking away from the faith, one of the reasons, they gave multiple reasons, but one of the reasons that they, that they give is that they could no longer reconcile faith with science. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created. It's the very first words of Scripture. In the beginning, God created, and and they just could not accept that any longer. Both of them said, they're not hostile towards Christianity, they just simply can't accept it anymore in their words. Both of them say that, that Christianity seems to be disengaged from reality, that it's intellectually lazy. I want to acknowledge that this is a big deal. Not so much the specific case of Rhett and Link. I mean, that's a sad thing, but but aside. What I want to acknowledge that's a very big deal is that many people have legitimate questions about faith and science. Legitimate questions about God being the creator of all things. And if we as Christians or as the church ignore that, or belittle that, or, or be actually become guilty of being intellectually lazy or anti-intellectual, then shame on us. This is a big deal. There are millions of people now who, who cannot reconcile what we believe in the beginning God created and, and what they observe. And if we ignore it, or mock them, or put our heads in the sand, then it's on us. And, and even, even this past week, as we've tried to reconcile, maybe you have in your own minds and hearts, the message that you hear from scientists and physicians, and at the same time, the message that we read in Scripture about not fearing, these things are hard to reconcile. And what I want you to know is we can't bury our heads in the sand. We can't ignore God's common grace. We have to be faithful and at the same time hold to the answer. When we confess 
that we believe in God Almighty as creator of heaven and earth. We are not, we are not taking a blind leap of faith. And, and we just say a little bit about it in our creed. Just five words, creator of heaven and earth. And yet in our conversations, we must, we must say much more than that. Right? We must say much more than that. I, I didn't bring them with me today, but I've got several books. And if, if, if you yourself are struggling with these issues, or if you know someone who is, there are several good books. Um, G.R. Robinson, I believe is his name, is a PCA elder who's also on the uh, faculty at Ole Miss. He's a biologist, um, um, world-renowned. Um, what's the one we're looking at this past week? Vern Poitras, um, Redeeming Science. Uh, there's, there's several books I could, I could point you to that, that help think through these issues. I, I'm not going to use this morning's sermon as an apologetic for God as creator. Right? What I want to do this morning is focus on what it means that God is creator. And, and what it means for us to believe and live as his creatures. There is a needful, a very needful place for robust discussions about faith and science. But I want to use the sermon as a way of addressing what does this mean for us that he is creator? If we believe he is creator of heaven and earth, what does that mean? To, to believe, when we said that at the very beginning, I believe, it, it means that we know deep down more than just with our heads, but also with our hearts, that something is true even when I struggle to understand how it can be true. The, the writer of Hebrews defines faith for us. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. To know deep down within us that this is true even when I struggle to understand how it can be. So we not only believe that God is almighty, but that he is creator of heaven and earth. And I have three thoughts for you. First, God is a caring creator. He's a caring creator. There are some who believe that God is creator, but that he is absent from his creation. Right? That, that they, they, look at, they look at the world and they recognize, yes, there is design there, there is order there. So there has to be someone, there has to be a designer. There has to be a God behind all this. But they believe that it's sort of deistic. It actually is deistic. It's deism. It's, it's the analogy of the watchmaker where the watchmaker takes all of the parts and he assembles it together and winds it, but then lets it run and sort of steps back. As, as God is this dispassionate, disengaged, disinterested creator. But that's not the picture of God that Scripture gives us. From the very first pages to the very last, when new creation comes, we do not see a God who is absent from creation, but intimately involved with creation. The word create. In the beginning, God created. It's the Hebrew word ketal, and it, and it means to shape, fashion, or form. And I want you to think of this. Think of it in these terms. God is less of an engineer and he's more of an artist. And as, sorry Felix, <laughs> less of an engineer and more of an artist. As we think about today's passage, Calvin says, John Calvin says, the reason the word all is used over and over again in this one verse four times is to convince us that God created all and he cares for all. Otherwise, Ezra could have just written that God created everything. 
He could have just said, God created everything. But he doesn't. He says, the heavens with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. And the emphasis again and again is not on the sum, but the parts, the intricacy. And then we're told that God preserves them all. I want you to listen. Just listen to the difference in these two statements. I love my children. Or, I specifically love my son, Cademan. And I love my son, Kreff. And I love my son, Kale. And I love my daughter, Cooper. By singling them out and naming them, my love for them, my, my affection and, and devotion to them is made clear. In Nehemiah 9.6, we, we see these three broad categories of creation, the heavens, the earth, and the seas, and we're told very specifically in the language that Ezra uses that God created it all, that he preserves it all. Now, why does it really matter that God is a caring creator? Because we tend to become overcome with anxiety and worry. Perhaps this past week you, you found yourself anxious over the coronavirus or the price of oil or the stock market. Listen, friends, your heavenly Father, He understands those worries. But your heavenly Father, who is compassionate towards His children in the midst of their concerns, is also the creator of all things. And in Matthew 6, Jesus says this, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will put on. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable to Him than they? Or look at the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is gathered up and thrown into barns and then is made into bread, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Now, Many times when you hear that passage, it's a well-known passage, when you hear it, this is what you hear. I am immensely valuable to God. Human beings are immensely valuable to God. And that is true. But Jesus is actually making a much larger point. The point is that God deeply cares about the birds and he feeds them. He doesn't, he, he cares about creation. He deeply cares for plants, and he tends to them. Yes, you are more loved and valuable to God than the rest of creation, but he deeply cares for all of creation. The point that Jesus is making is, look at the birds. Look how God cares for them. He cares for them immensely. He also cares for you. We should say to ourselves, friends, if God deeply cares for his creation, how much more does he care for me as his adopted son or daughter? He is a caring creator. Here's a second thought. God is a glory giver. Remember that word create, it means to shape, form, or fashion. Creation is like a piece of art, and God pours himself into his art. And so listen to Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. 
Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. It sounds so simple, but creation cries out that there is a creator. Now, when you think about some of the things that I shared a moment ago, when you think about the vastness of space, or the topography of our planet, or the intricacies of the human body, each of those testify to God's glory. Only human beings are made in the image of God, but all creation reflects his glory. So for me, it began about three weeks ago. Every year, it's around the first of March. I haven't really, I haven't really written down the date, but it's about the first of March. I'll begin to hear birds chirping outside of our bedroom window around 6 a.m. Outside of our bedroom window, we sort of have a bay window on the side, and, and outside of our bedroom window, we have a birdhouse that hangs there on the corner, and then other birds have made a nest in the crook of the gutter, which is just at the corner of the house. And so I, I didn't really notice it until a couple of years ago, but I would notice that just around 6 a.m., they would begin to, to chirp and to play. And at first, when I heard it and took notice of it, I was annoyed. Don't those birds know that I don't get up at six? <laughs> trying to get my last little bit of sleep. But something along the way, and it wasn't conscious, I don't think. Something changed. Because now when I hear them, I'm reminded that in their own language, they're singing songs of praise to the Creator. That each morning, they greet the sunrise with anthems of praise. Sometimes when Kimbo and I uh, are trying to fall asleep and are having a problem falling asleep, we'll turn on a sound machine and we'll put on ocean waves. And those sounds are artificial, but waves are not. Waves are very real, and I love the sound of the ocean. You just think about that. Think about the waves of the ocean. They never stop. Never. One after another. They just keep rolling in. And however old you are, there were waves crashing the day of your birth, and they'll be crashing at the day of your death. They don't quiet down at bedtime. They keep crashing and clapping for the glory of their Creator. Calvin says that the world is a theater of God's glory. I love that. The whole world is the theater of God's glory. Friends, God has made his glory known so that creation will in turn glorify and worship him. Our verse in Nehemiah 9.6 tells us, it's the last part of the verse, that all of God's creative work, the seas, the heavens, the earth, that all of it is, is designed so that the host of heaven will worship God. Do you remember when Jesus entered Jerusalem? We're approaching that day uh, here in a few weeks. When, when Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and the disciples greeted him and began to shout, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, Hosanna in the highest. Peace in heaven and glory. When the Pharisees heard that, th they began to rebuke Jesus. And Jesus said, I tell you, that if these people were silent, even the very rocks would cry out. 
God has designed his creation to display glory, whether it's the creation out there or us as his creatures. God has designed us to display glory and then return glory to him, to worship him, to praise him. And friends, we mustn't let the rocks do our job. Here's a third thought. Some older versions of the Apostles' Creed, uh, I've mentioned to you the last couple weeks that we have um, a a basic form of the Apostles' Creed going back to the the late 2nd century, which would be the the, the 100s. Uh, But in its form, it's somewhere between 3 and 400 what we have. But just like the Bible with the King James Version written, adopted in 1611 and other versions coming out, there have been small changes to the creed, modernizing its language. And so in a lot of older versions, uh, it begins like this. I, begin, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The word maker uh, reveals to us in some ways that the maker the Creator, has given us a mandate. A mandate to carefully control creation. Try try saying that three times fast. The Maker has given us a mandate to carefully control creation. Look with me at Genesis 1.27. You have a Bible, you're welcome to turn there. If not, you can just listen. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That word dominion, we didn't read verse 26, but it's, it's there as well. The word dominion means to control. So, so God, when he, when he creates human beings, Adam and Eve, our first parents, he gives, he gives us dominion, control. He gives us a mandate to exercise rule. I want you to listen to what one Old Testament scholar says about this. Ancient Oriental kings were expected to be devoted to the welfare of their subjects, especially the poorest and weakest members of society, by promoting peace and prosperity for all their subjects. Similarly, mankind is here commissioned to rule nature as a benevolent king, acting as God's representative over it, and therefore treating it in the same way as God who created it. God alone is creator and sovereign. And yet we who have been made in his image have been commissioned as as rulers. And God tells us to rule over creation in the same way that he does. And so how does God rule over creation? We've already seen this. God doesn't stand back and let things spin out of control. God is actively involved. He's caring for even the smallest things. And so what does that mean for us? What is the mandate we've been given? We must care for creation. Friends, that's not a political statement. It's a biblical statement. Let's stop thinking about caring for creation as a left or a right issue, but as a mandate from the maker, from the very first page of the Bible. 
But God has said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Exercise dominion over it. You're my representatives, so you act as I would act. When we exercise our our God-given rule over creation, we're actually doing our vision statement. We are living the truth. We're saying, I believe that God is almighty maker of heaven and earth, but I'm putting I'm putting action to that statement of faith. Let me end with a word from this book that's been helpful. I think we may still have copies available, but this is a book by a couple of PCA pastors called Rooted, the Apostles' Creed. And I want to end with this, just as a reminder that knowing God as creator is not just believing that, that this terra firma is his, the sky above is his, or that we is his, but that God as creator is meant to lead us to the idea of God as redeemer. That creation is meant to point to salvation. And so listen to his words, these words. You have an opportunity to experience the same power of God that was at work in the creation of the world. Paul says that when we trust in Jesus Christ, when we begin to trust in his death and resurrection, the God who spoke the universe into being speaks life into our heart. The God who said, let there be light at the beginning of time brings the light of Christ into our hearts. And so as we think about creation this week and what it means to care for creation, what it means to be... um, salt and light in the world. Let's remember that creation cries out about salvation. Let's praise God once again for that. Father, we are thankful for your grace and your goodness to us. We're thankful that there's not a single atom, A-T-O-M, not a single atom on, uh, in the whole of creation that's spinning out of control right now. Lord, I saw this, this model of, of cells interacting with one another and bad cells uh, beginning to multiply in the place of good cells. There's not a single cell that is spinning out of control. To us, it looks like things are, are out of control and certainly um, the number of infected is going up and the number of the New York Stock Exchange is going down. And it seems like things are absolutely spiraling. But God, you who spoke creation into existence, not only create, but sustain. You're upholding by the word of your power. And so, Lord, even as we seek to be wise and faithful and good stewards of all that you've given, and we want to maintain health, and we want to trust those that you've given common grace gifts to, our physicians and leaders. As we want to do all of that, we want to put greater trust in you. And so, Lord, guide us as we think about, reflect on, and live in light of the truth that you are the creator of heaven and earth. And so, with great confidence, we can make these prayers. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.